Hello, everyone. Welcome to, or welcome back to Hack Your Universe. It's Sarah. I'm coming to you live from my spring break, and I am thrilled to be saying that. Spring break. I can't keep thinking about that. The spring break movie where James Franco or Dave Franco, I don't know, one of the Francos is playing Riff Raff. First of all, what an iconic thing to do. Um, second of all, he just keeps going, spring break, spring break forever. And that's just like playing in my head. Um, that's all. But I'm going to Colorado to see my sister tomorrow, so I'm very excited about that. Hope to come back with some fresh inspiration from the mountains. Um, anyway, spring break, I've realized, and like breaks in general, are one of the only real big positives to working in education. I mean, there are there are positives, right? But um, I've been really trying to like rack my brain for the pros recently because um, I've been thinking a lot about work and like what I want my life to look like and like the things that we give our jobs and the things we take from our jobs and that's what I'm going to talk about with you today because work is life like there are a lot of things you know we do with our time but the backbone of our lives is working it's pretty much the only guarantee like death and taxes right we've got to stick it to the man and keep this old capitalist machine running smoothly so let's talk about work and how we relate to it because I believe that how we relate to anything is how we relate to everything. So we're first going to look at the underlying institution that governs our lives in order to understand how we have been programmed or taught to relate to work. So we're going to get sociological and talk about capitalism. So in its most ideal you know, utopian format, Capitalism works when we can achieve social harmony by allowing everybody the freedom to pursue their own economic interests. And this sounds really great in theory because the individual gets that autonomy to decide, like, what part am I going to play in this larger system of exchange? Like, the world is my oyster, so I get to decide what to be and go be it, right? Well, unfortunately, that's just not how it goes a lot of the time. Um, And I would argue, and also a lot of other people would argue, like, Karl Marx, for example, um, that with the way capitalism is structured, freedom is an illusion. First of all, because our opportunities and our resources are undeniably confined to that of our social class. Like we've all heard the whole like picking yourself up by your bootstraps idea, um, but that doesn't exist when the highest paying jobs are gatekept by education and graduate programs and expensive tests, etc. And like it is hard work a valuable trait of course can it serve you well yes but i hope we are all aware by now that resources and opportunities are not equally distributed in this society um and secondly there is no real freedom when we can really understand the way capitalism influences everything that we think and do our sense of self our relationships our time um the things that we own the things we want to own all of it. It controls the way that you, the worker, understand and organize your own existence. Okay, it's an economic system, but it's not just that. Marx called it a um, a definite mode of life, and it's like a religion almost. Like our higher power is money, and we pray by producing. And if you're not producing, you're sinning. It's really deep, super super deep, uh, because our life has become defined by this exchange of labor for value, and we are locked into this cycle of production and consumption. It's like one long game of monopoly, really. Like you, you as an individual player in the game have some autonomy over where you go and how you get there, but it's, 
really only on a micro level like the board is the board the board is set and the rules are set so you can play the game or you can fucking die and capitalism itself is really heavily critiqued nowadays i mean it's been critiqued for a long time but we're kind of starting to wake up to some of the negatives of it as a society but it's really really hard to untangle from like it feels impossible and i'm not even suggesting that that is what should happen necessarily but i think it is really important to look at the way that this system has informed the way we look at our lives and how we have been taught to craft our future and I think the only real way to avoid letting it control us to a detrimental degree is to kind of gain control over the value exchange. Let me try to explain that in a simpler way. Like we have to make money to live, right? So if I am forced to work, ideally I will also receive some kind of non-material good while I'm at it. And I think of those non-material goods as experience and meaning, Like, if it is my duty to work in this society, how can I align my work with my virtue? Like, how can I stick it to the man and also stick it to myself with a capital S? That's what I'm trying to figure out. And I think we all are to a degree. Like, we all want to do something that feels good and pays us money. But this pairing can be really, really hard to find, if not impossible. And a lot of people, a lot, don't have the luxury of loving their job or getting paid well. And that's a really important side note. Like, I fully recognize that the ability to even try to align our jobs with some kind of higher meaning or purpose in our lives is a huge privilege in itself because a lot of people in this world have no choice but to work for survival only. But you could be anywhere along the spectrum of like work and fulfillment. Like, sometimes we get paid a lot or enough to live comfortably, but the work doesn't feel exciting for us. And, you know, we kind of dread waking up in the morning and going to work. And sometimes we enjoy the work a lot, but we don't get paid a lot. And other areas of our lives have to suffer. And unfortunately, this is often true, especially in caregiving professions or work that is seen as traditionally for women. And that's a whole other episode. It can be really hard to get our physical and existential needs met in a job. We usually have to compromise something. It's it's like a relationship with a person. Like there's this unique mix of giving and taking, and I think it's important to evaluate why we do what we do and ask ourselves how it is serving or not serving our lives. And there's no rule book or one size fits all for how to answer those questions. Like only you know at a deep level what your truest needs are and if something is working for you at this current moment in your life or not. Like if the only thing you want out of a job is something that's going to make you money and you're fine with hating it, like that's up to you to decide. Like if the only thing you want out of a relationship is someone who is going to pay for everything and you don't need that emotional support, fine, go find a sugar daddy I don't know Um, but time is the only finite resource in this life and for me I want to get the most bang for my buck in every sense of the word like I want to live comfortably and I really want to like my days and I'm still figuring out the best formula for me as a lot of people especially my age are however we are taught to pick a thing and run towards it. We are scripted to know from a really young age what we want to do with our future. You know how dumb it is to ask a child what they want to be when they grow up? Like, I get it. It comes from a really good place. You're trying to 
connect, get to know the child. But there are so many other ways to do this. Like, what are you interested in? What do you like to do? Like, the answer is going to be Legos. But like, what, is a six-year-old going to tell you his 20-year-old plan to become a brain surgeon? Probably not. Let's, let's relax. Let's let that one go. But, you know, as we, as we grow up, we do have to start thinking ahead a little bit or a lot of it. We've got to think ahead and plan. And, you know, some people do find that spark for something at a young age and they end up meeting that future self, but most people don't. And then we think something is wrong with us when the path isn't clear in our minds. But there are still so many like mental prisons we get locked into when we think about the person or people really that we could possibly become. So this question, like, what do you want to be when you grow up, plagues a lot of people way sooner than it should. And our life becomes like a marathon, a conquest, rather than an exploration. And that contributes to what I have decided to call the destination mindset. And this is the idea that there is something over there that is more important than what is right here. And now this is not an inherently bad thing always, but I do think it is a symptom of the capitalist mind, which is designed to keep you working. It's designed to keep the worker in this constant mode of production so that they don't have enough time to look around and realize that they are being exploited. And that's capitalism in a nutshell. Now, it's a pretty extreme example, but I think it's it's why we think that way. Like the future is real and it's important and it's really exciting sometimes to be a creature capable of thinking ahead and planning and making goals for ourselves. But I think it's more important to make sure you are first intimate with the current version of yourself before you make decisions for a possible self. But we're never really taught to meet ourselves. So this exploration can be a really challenging and scary thing for a lot of people. I want to talk about the research that I did in college and beyond because it informed a lot of my thinkings about this topic. And I was on this research team for several years that studied how students were thinking about their future and how they were crafting their plans. Um, Specifically, we were looking at how students chose their major and how this process reproduced inequality by race, class, and gender. And this taught us a lot about how different students approach their college experience and the path ahead of them. So we looked at their orientations for choosing a major. Like, for example, some people chose a major in line with a specific career. Some pursued a major solely based on what they were interested in, you know, intellectually. Some chose for a potential graduate program. Um, But we asked them things like who they were getting advice from, how they decided what classes to take, what their experiences were in their classes and with their peer group, etc. And some of the most interesting findings out of this study were that students often get stuck in what we called ill-fitting majors because they felt compelled to choose a major before they had much correct knowledge about what the major meant and entailed. So in other words, people felt pressure to start walking somewhere and they had no idea what they were actually getting into. They were getting sucked into stories that weren't actually theirs because the world told them, probably starting you know around age six, that they should know what they wanna be. And along with this, there were very obvious variations in students' experiences based on their class specifically. So upper middle class students did have that space to come in undecided or pursue a major more loosely based on interest because their experience was more likely paid for. They didn't have that pressure to utilize college for their own social mobility. 
So these students were able to relax into their experience a bit more and enjoy extracurriculars and making connections, etc. Whereas students from lower middle class and working class families felt more pressure to be decided on a major and work towards a specific career trajectory. Um, but like if a student is going into college with the assumption that they are going to have to work off their education, the pressure is higher to choose something that will make good money, like going to med school, for example. And these students are already less likely to have access to the resources to be successful in a field like this because it's by nature gatekept by, first of all, the rigor of the classes and also the requirement of graduate schools and all the expensive tests, etc. Additionally, these students were more likely to struggle in their classes and with their mental and their physical health due to having to have jobs and income security and familial obligations. Um, and all of that was exacerbated when COVID hit. So we actually ended up splitting these findings into a whole new study during the pandemic because the lines of inequality just got significantly more apparent when campuses closed. Um, and all of that to say, college, college has been talked about for decades as this like equalizing ground, but when we look at it closely, we can see that it just as often reproduces the inequality that's already there. And it's an unfortunate truth that we see everywhere, that the system is set up so that the rich will always get richer because life is significantly easier when you have money. Because when you have money, you get to feel safe. And when you feel safe, you have space to experience life in a more curious mode instead of survival mode and curious mode is where we all want to live okay because here you have the space to do what you want to do instead of what you have to do or need to do to survive and to me curiosity mode is the process of following the things that light us up inside the things that actually feel good to us and I think that where there is light, there is even more light. And where there is even more light, there is energy. And where there is energy, there is sustainability. And where there is sustainability, there is wealth. So I think what happens to a lot of people, regardless of race, class, gender, etc., is that they get really caught up in this like possible self that looks good or is going to offer them the most economic security, but it's not something that is like in line with who they are inside. And I think the hope for a lot of people is that the meaning, the fulfillment, all of those good feelings will come later on, you know, like once you get the thing, once you have the job and have the money, etc. But that's not how it goes, right? And I think we have to shift that and practice leading with the things that already feel good because that's where the true wealth is. This is just my personal viewpoint. I do know that that philosophy is informed by a lot of the privileges that I have as a human, um, but I do believe that when you move towards the things that are in line with yourself with the capital S, the rewards come. But unfortunately, this isn't how a lot of people view life because they aren't allowed to. And this is why I think everyone should have a Montessori education. Go listen to episode two if you haven't already. But that's yet another valuable educational resource that's gatekept by privatized education. Okay, I feel like I've kind of bounced around a bit. So I'm going to try to bring us back to center and tie all this together. So everyone has a lot of unique voices telling them what direction they should be walking in life but the truth is even if we know from childhood exactly what we want to become in life the path is not linear the path is going to be the path it has twists and turns that we can't plan for quite frankly and i think we are most bound by this idea of 
quote unquote, the rest of our lives because we are forced to make choices for a future self that we don't know yet. And this doesn't only show up in the way of like picking a job to commit to until retirement. We also see this in relationships. Like we're encouraged to date with the intention of finding someone to spend the rest of our life with. So I think we first need to work on reframing this. Like the rest of your life does not exist. Your life right now exists. And you are in a chapter. You are in a season of your life, a scene in your movie. So I think we need to start asking ourselves questions like, what job makes sense for me in this chapter? What relationships support the life I'm trying to build right now? And this has to be a constant exploration. Like this isn't just a mid-20s thing. Like you have to ask yourself these things over and over again. And most importantly, you have to give yourself permission to change your answer because a lot of the time we explore a thing and it's not what we thought it would be. Person, job, whatever. And then we get into this pattern of betraying ourselves by staying in the thing even when we have that deep nagging feeling that it should be more beautiful than this. So remember, no matter where you are in the life course, life is long and you have time. Consider this your permission to change your mind a million times, especially if you are in your 20s. Like post-graduation, if you went to college, it's a really scary place. Like it's the first time that you're not protected by this bubble of education you're not thinking of your life in semesters like the world is truly open for the first time and we really don't know how to exist in that space naturally because we've been you know under this umbrella of rules and institutions for so long so it's important to give yourself a grace period to just navigate it like it's your freshman year of real life as one of my favorite influencers tinks calls it This is the part where you try on lots of different things and you see how they fit. And you can't let your parents, your friends, your partners, whoever else, pick the outfit you wear every day for the rest of your life. Because remember, we're going to spend the most time working. So feel it. Is what you're doing right now comfortable? Do you like the way that it feels? If yes, keep wearing it until it doesn't fit anymore. And if you don't like the way it feels right now, Make a, pa- a plan to return that shit and try something else on. And I think we often ask ourselves these questions in reverse. We're first like, okay, what's the thing that's going to look good from the outside? And then we look in and we assess how it feels. And we really like to pretend that things are comfortable when they aren't just because they look right from the outside. So what if we gave ourselves space to free ourselves from any kind of destination or end goal? And then in our exploration of things, we focused on how things felt versus how they appear or who they please. And if you're somebody who like chose a major and you're not really sure why you are in a job that's good enough, but you've got that feeling inside that like you don't even know what you're interested in, I have a couple of tips for figuring that out. The first tip is to look at the thing that you have been majoring in all along. This is a piece of advice that I used to give to students when I was an orientation leader. If they ever told me they were undecided, I would say that. I would say, look at what you've been majoring in all along. What have you been doing in the name of a hobby? And what options do you have for turning that hobby into something you can make money off of? Because it is in our hobbies, it is in the things that we do when we don't have to be doing them, that's where our curiosity thrives. It is within that open, empty time where we truly discover who we are because we don't have to be anything in that moment. We just get to be who we want to be and do what we want to do. 
So that's another tip for you is give yourself empty time. Let yourself become bored. There's this really beautiful chapter in Glennon Doyle's Untamed, and she's talking about like when her son became of age to get a cell phone, like she felt this just fear and like unsteadiness about it. And she realized it was because he now had a tool to allow himself to never become bored. Cell phones give us that constant stimulation. They make it so we're never bored. We can always get that hit of dopamine when we need it. And that pulls us away from a lot of hobbies and passions and things that we would otherwise explore. So if you had like a whole day of empty time, what do you want to do? If you could do anything, if money weren't an issue, what would you do? What would you have studied? Did you have an answer to the what do you want to be when you grow up question you got asked as a kid? Where did that answer come from? Was that a genuine interest of yours that you let the world suck out of you or Did you just say astronaut because that was one of the five jobs you knew about as a child? I don't know. There might be something there to look at for you. And then I want you to look a little deeper into your life course. Like, was there any question that you were going to attend college? What was your process of choosing a major? Whose advice did you take when trying to choose a major? Did you feel pressured by anyone to choose something or not choose something? What was your life like in college? What did you prioritize? Did you change your major at any point and why? And now where you are in life, how does your college major relate to where you are? And do you enjoy what you do for work right now? What needs does your job meet and what needs are not being met? Are you content with what you are giving and what you are taking? If not, what could a next step look like? Who can you talk to about that? That's another thing I forgot to say when I was talking about the research. Like one thing we noticed overwhelmingly is that these students were choosing majors about careers that they knew nothing about and none of them talked to anybody who was in the field. They didn't know anybody in the field. They weren't making an effort to get to know anybody in the field. They're just kind of going in blind like, okay, this is the thing. And I think we expect college to kind of fill in some of those gaps for us, but the reality is it doesn't a lot of the times. College is largely informational. It's not super experiential, which is why I think Montessori needs to be taught in college. So if there's something that you're interested in, talk to people in the field, make connections, ask questions. You'll learn so much from those individualized connections, more than you probably did in college about what a field is like. And in general, ask people about what they do. There are so many jobs out there. And it's amazing to hear people's life trajectories and how they bounce from one thing to another thing and how that thing led them to another thing and then another thing. And it's a really amazing thing, the way our lives can take on shapes that we never expected if we give ourselves that space to change our mind and change it again and follow the nudges to the next thing that's more you than the thing that you're in. So, some more questions for you. Do you have a dream? Have you touched the dream? If you get to the end of your life without touching the dream, is that okay with you? I saw this TikTok recently where this girl said that she started asking herself, is this the dream? She would ask herself that about jobs, relationships, apartments, like any time there was a big decision to be made, is this the dream? And where you are right now might not be the dream. Like for me, I can see this very clear and possible self that I am working towards, but I have accepted that it's kind of going to be a a longer process and I can't jump the timeline. Like everything that I'm doing is leading me to that thing and I have to kind of 
move patiently and cautiously and not rush and accept the fact that I'm doing what's right for me right now and that might not be what's right next year or next month. Again, it's a constant evolution. It's a constant questioning because life is not a line. It's more of a puzzle or a map. Like you're moving piece by piece, data point by data point. We make the path by walking. All right, I think that's where I will end us today. I know we talked about a lot. We critiqued capitalism, talked about research, inequality in higher education, um, how to explore your interests, lots of little lots of little nuggets in there. So hopefully you, you found some things that landed. As always, feedback, comments, questions, concerns, always welcome, would love to chat. I am hoping to have my very first guest on the pod next week. My bestest friend in the world, Catherine McGee, is coming to Colorado with me, and I think we're going to talk about some silly stuff next week. So stay tuned. Love you all. Enjoy it all. XOXO Lemon.